I'm Louise Howard. I'm a consultant psychiatrist and I'm also a professor of women's mental health at King's College London. And your talk for the session on, on self-harm data is about gender-informed research. So you say there are clear gender differences in suicide and self-harm. Tell us a bit about that. I think what's so interesting is that everybody knows that suicide is more common in men, particularly middle-aged men, and self-harm is commoner in women, particularly young women under 25. Um, but when it comes to understanding those differences, there is actually less of a focus on gendered risk factors, for example. And what people tend to do in research is adjust for sex or gender rather than actually what we call stratifying by gender. So actually looking at men and women or girls and boys separately. Now that traditionally has been thought to be problematic because of the issue of statistical power, smallish numbers, particularly if you're thinking about suicide, for example. And yet if you don't stratify by gender and sex, then you are going to miss some of the specifics around um, men and women um, whether we're talking about suicide, self-harm, mental illness, um, any of these um, issues are gendered. Uh, suicide, of course, is the classic. Um, and in that sense, of course, suicide researchers are focusing on gender. They certainly make a point of saying that, um, you know, the, the gender differences. But are they then looking at gendered risk factors such as intimate partner violence, which is much commoner in women, is that contributing to the higher rates of self-harm, particularly recently with the increases in self-harm found by the most recent adult psychiatric morbidity survey? Could there be specific times in a woman's life when she's particularly at risk of suicide? And that actually is the case for a woman after giving birth, particularly if there's a history of, of mental illness. But we don't know very much about those maternal suicides. And it may be that we need to actually start talking to other disciplines that are looking at some of these issues in different ways. So, for example, when it comes to maternal suicide, they are relatively rare. Um, we have used some data on, from the National Confidential Inquiry into some suicides and homicides um, from, from Manchester to look at perinatal suicides. But we ended up still with, with relatively small numbers, even after a number of years. So... Perhaps what we need to do is actually to look at some of those women who do attempt suicide but actually end up being treated and so therefore do not um, end up uh, being, uh, you know, having actually passed away. Now I'm thinking of women, for example, that are treated on intensive care who took a lot of paracetamol such that they were in liver failure and ended up on intensive care, maybe even needing a liver transplant. We, we know that suicide is the tip of an iceberg and that there are people uh, carrying out acts of self-harm that actually are very, very serious, but they don't end up dead. And in the obstetric world, they call these near-miss deaths, near-miss suicides, for example, and they have other methods to start investigating these near-miss um, obstetric uh, conditions that, that could lead to death, but, but often don't so that you've got larger numbers to look at some of these issues. So we started to collaborate with um, obstetric researchers um, on some of their unique surveillance systems to see whether we can look at um, near-miss suicides in pregnancy 
and after birth in different ways, for example. I guess suicide research has always uh, had this problem, which is that suicide is so rare that it's very difficult to research it. Um, is it the case that women are underrepresented generally in research, as, as they are in kind of addiction research, for example? Does that really add to the difficulty in researching this area? Well, I think mental health research in general has tended to be gender neutral and has not been looking at gender. But as many of the studies end up having more men in them, that does mean that we don't understand what's happening for women. So traditionally, drug trials have excluded childbearing age women just in case they might get pregnant. So we don't know much about and whether there are gender differences to, to treatment response for certain drugs, for example. When it comes to adverse effects, people traditionally haven't looked at this by gender, but we know actually that there are um, sex differences in clearance, for example, of some drugs, which mean that women might have um, a higher level of side effects from some of these um, drugs that might be used in psychiatry. So I think that unless you actually specifically look at gender, you're going to miss some of these effects, not only in terms of epidemiology, frequency of problems, but also and what causes those problems and how to treat them. So gender neutral research is in fact gender biased research. What, what needs to change in the system for that to become more equal? Well, maybe I should first of all say that I think that um, sometimes, of course, it's men that are not being specifically looked at. Um, it's not only gender bias in terms of, of women. Um, I mean, it might be that most studies, for example, of parenting are very much focused on, on women's um, experiences of parenting if they've got a mental health problem. Or, for example, looking at perinatal mental health, there's been a large voice recently saying, well, actually, what about father's mental health at that time and how that also shapes what happens to a child. So gender bias goes in both directions. What needs to change is that um, research funders need to be ensuring that gender is taken into account and there are now grant bodies that are actually insisting on um, part of the grant proposal explaining how, they, how the um, uh, grant holders would potentially look at gender and sex in their analyses and if they're not including that in their proposals then that automatically gets them excluded. That's not happening currently in NIHR funded research um, but it is happening in some of the American and Canadian um, research funders. We need to make sure that people who are judging these grants are also um, both men and women. We know traditionally it is men at the top of the academic tree um, and there are fewer women which does mean that there's going to be gender differences in terms of who sits on grant panels, who actually sits on editorial boards, um, what actually happens when research takes place. In, uh, in last, last, sorry, two years ago, in the Lancet Psychiatry, we published a paper which actually had looked at the British Journal of Psychiatry and JAMA Psychiatry's papers, and, um, and actually what we found was that indeed most of them were not looking specifically at sex or gender differences, but were just adjusting for sex and gender. So I think the changes need to happen in terms of academia, in terms of journals, and in terms of funders. Um, I mean, it's really exciting what the Lancet and Lancet Psychiatry are doing now in terms of making sure that these issues are aired and also that they're, they're, that they're addressing them in terms of editorial boards and, um, and looking at research. 
Yeah, it's really encouraging stuff that's been coming out of Lancet in the last few weeks on that. Absolutely. So you, you highlight this link between intimate partner abuse and perinatal suicides in women. And there's some North American research that's looked into this. How are you going to be looking at that in this new violence and mental health network that you're leading? Thank you for mentioning that, Andre. Um, yes, indeed, because we know that intimate partner violence is, is very common, one in four women will have experienced it at some point in their lives, but it's particularly linked to um, the development and exacerbation of mental health difficulties. We've set up an, a network funded by um, UK Research and Innovation, one of eight networks funded, and this network is, has just started um, in November. We had a launch. And now we're starting to think about some of the activities um, moving forward. For example, we're going to be having workshops in June, focusing on the issue around measurement um, of violence and abuse and whether across disciplines we can harmonise the way we conceptualise and, and record violence and abuse. Um, I think Sally McManus is also going to talk about this today in terms of um, uh, self-harm data and where we can get uh, data that actually looks at both men and women um, in a useful way. Um, the, the network is also going to have a whole host of public lectures, it's going to have small grant competitions, particularly focused on early career researchers, and these will be all launched, launched in, the, uh, in the coming months. I'm really interested in how men get involved in making sure that both research and services are gender equal. And it's, it's interesting that people involved in your network are primarily women. And it's interesting when you look at the um, academics who are involved in the debate about gender equality are mainly women. Um, and I've spoken to a few men who have begun to get involved in that. Um, but I think a lot of men feel that it's not their place to be part of this academic discussion. How would you respond to that? Well, I would say we definitely do need to think about how men are involved um, from the top of the tree um, down to uh, early career researchers and thinking about how things are recorded for men and women, because I think that men have also lost out. If you look at research in mental health services, for example, there's been very little focus on the parenting role that dads might have who are also in contact with mental health services. Very little support for them um, in terms of accessing their children. They often end up losing contact with their families. And of course, we know that you know, being isolated um, is associated with suicide in particular for men. So we definitely need to involve men. What's been really encouraging for me is that actually people have thought um, and I've had quite a lot of experiences of, of men discussing this and actually you can, it's almost like a light bulb moment. Oh yes, actually we should be thinking about this. When it comes to violence and abuse, there hasn't been much focus on who is actually perpetrating the violence against who and how is it experienced by that other person. So most of the violence and mental illness research has very much focused on violence being perpetrated particularly by men but hasn't looked at whether that's happening in their relationship. So, and yet we know that intimate partner violence is very common. And what's been really great is that now, just 
as we start to really focus on this within our network, there are also some really interesting research studies happening where the violence researchers have started to look at the different types of violence by um, men and women and in terms of who actually experiences them as victims. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited that I think this network is going to make a difference and that people are, are really, you know, men are also really interested in thinking um, differently about things. So I, I'm actually very optimistic about the future. Uh, I guess the only other thing I wanted to say was that I think there are some new methodologies that will be helpful in terms of getting larger numbers. So not only looking at near miss suicides, but also the whole idea of what sort of data can we now access and think about. And I think Sally's going to talk about this quite a lot. Obviously, the whole day is focused on how do we use data and where do we get it from. Um, one of the things that, that we do at the Institute of Psychiatry, Psychology and Neuroscience is use de-identified electronic health records. And that what, that's what Karen Ayres is going to be talking about. Um, she's going to be able to look at perinatal suicide and self-harm. And we know that suicide is often preceded by self-harm. Um, she's going to be looking at that in the context of women with severe mental illness over a number of years so that we can get larger numbers. Mm -hmm.